Well, my name's Pete. For those of you, well, I, get a, I get a yay for that. I mean, it's looking good today. It's looking good. Um, my name is Pete, and uh, Nikki and I, we head up this amazing church with a great team of people, a huge core team of leaders of about 80 people, plus loads of other people who make this thing happen. We love it. We love you. What a blessing this life is. Um, we have been looking at a theme for the last couple of weeks, and will do for this month and next of further. If you were around at Vision Sunday, you'll know that um, we had for the year the, the vision of closer, deeper, and further. And we spent two months in closer and deeper, and here we go into further. And it's really exciting to see what God's going to do. From this place of going closer with him, more intimate with him and with each other, going deeper into relationship, deeper into understanding, who knows what the further is going to look like. You know, I just want to tell you a little story about treasure. When we were younger, when I was younger, and I lived in Southend, beautiful place to live, by Southend East Railway Station, even nicer place to live, um, I didn't realise growing up until I was sort of about 11 or 12 that there in our hallway my dad could pull back some carpet and there was a loose floorboard that he could remove and he stashed things in there. Oh, and when I found out, it was the coolest thing ever. I expected there to be the best treasure. Gold, Goonie style, one-eyed willy, you know, a whole ship of stuff. And if you have no idea what that meant, don't worry, it's okay. That happens quite a bit. But I just imagined there to be some treasure, some amazing treasure. And I, I got very excited about it. For a while, I thought I might get a metal detector. Then I realized that would take effort, so I didn't. But I, I did like the idea of treasure. And when we moved to Chelmsford... We moved into this house that had a few things still left in it. And I was banking on there being treasure. Maybe a, a very expensive old guitar left in the loft that nobody knew was expensive. And it was just in the corner, dusty, and it could buy who knows what, pay off the mortgage. There could have been so much, there's so much potential. In our dining room, we had this amazing fake cladded stone on plywood um, over, the, over the chimney breast. Now that sounds cool, doesn't it? You can all get some of that. We've got builders in the place who could do it for you. But we had this fake stone. And then there was a little press on a, a little cupboard and this fake stone door opened. Now I, I guaranteed there was going to be some treasure in there. It was going to be amazing. But all there was was an old light that didn't turn on properly because the wiring wasn't working. And then glory into the loft. What could be in a loft? So many things. And actually in this loft, in Lofting Way, good name for a place with a loft, but in, in our house in Lofting Way, um, I just need to keep going. We, when we went up there and I poked my head through, there was a boarded off sort of room within the loft, all plywood off. I thought, oh my goodness, what's in there? What has this guy been doing? This is exciting. So I went in with a torch, walking over the, the rafters, trying not to go through the ceiling, opened this door, the moment of opening, obviously, some kind of stupid fear jumps in, and I wonder if there are like stashes of bodies and things or something scary in there, but no. Opened the door, and I went in with this torch, and there were treasures, but they weren't the treasures I was expecting. There was a, a, work, a work desk, some old radio equipment, and there was a big long-wave map of the world, which was sort of yellowed and it looked sort of tea-stained, classic stuff, but it was an old map of long-wave radio with some marks on it, probably where this person had been in their, in their loft trying to get, get the signals out from Chelmsford, because we know that this place is the birthplace of radio. I didn't know at the time when we moved here, but we definitely know it now. Treasure, but of a different kind. And it got me thinking, especially when I went to the Chelmsford Museum recently, 
Some of you may not know there's a Chelmsford Museum, but there is a Chelmsford Museum and it has loads of early radio equipment and it's got loads of early television equipment. Now for me, as I go around in museums, I try diligently to be one of those readers. You know, I go to the first thing, I'm going to take everything in. I'm going to read everything in this whole museum. And by, by the time I've got from here to about here, I'm like, well, I'm not going to read everything. I'm probably going to just start accelerating now and just looking at the interesting things. Oh, there's a sword. I'll stop here. Not in the radio section. But, you know, I just I move around to the bits that are exciting. But I find it very difficult to understand the technology behind radio and TV. But what it gets me thinking is this. Who comes up with the idea? I mean, I've done some research. I know who comes up with the idea. But from the 1830s all the way to, through to Marconi around 1900s, what brain considers that there might be such a thing as a radio wave or a microwave? How do you even think of that stuff? Where does it come from? I find it totally incredible that people can see things that don't yet exist. They can do some mathematical calculations, and suddenly, before you know it, we can send live TV from one place to another. Who thinks that stuff up? I think it's incredible. I think that there's a thing wired into each of us that is this question or this statement. There must be more to life than this. I think we all have that wired in us at certain stages in our, in our life. Some people more than others. Space exploration. It's something that I don't really get and I'm not really that interested in. Sorry if that upsets you. It asks the question, there must be life beyond here. There must be things we don't know. There are things we can explore, new places to see. There must be more than this. That is why so much money, so many billions of pounds are invested into it. And today I want us to spend a a few moments looking at this, this statement. There must be more to life than this. And I want us to see what questions we may be asking of ourselves at life at the moment. And, uh, I want us to look at this and to know that to be true. Your purpose on this earth is not to pay bills and lose weight. You see, there is, there is more to life, isn't there? There's more to life than we currently experience. We have been, um, let's put this one up, that's quite cool. If you sense there must be more, there is more. Whether you know Jesus or whether you don't know Jesus... I believe that there is a, an aching in all of us. There, is, there must be more than this. Even when things are going great. Things are going great. I'm 45, so you could call it a midlife crisis, but I'm not a midway yet. I haven't hit my midpoint. But I sometimes think, and Nikki and I have been thinking just recently, there must be more, Lord. We love it. We love it, but we've, we want more. We've got this, this holy dissatisfaction, as Pete Gregg calls it, to, to want more from life. We want to lead a life that leaves a greater legacy, that outlives us, that does so much more. There must be more than we currently know. All of us who know Jesus, there must be more to this faith journey than the stuff we currently experience. There must be more. Do you have any hunger in you for that? If you don't yet know Jesus, do you sometimes think there must be more to life than this? There must be more to life than paying the bills. There must be more to life than doing the education, getting a career, working for that amount of time, retiring at some stage. There must be more than that, mustn't there? What's the point? Do you have a holy dissatisfaction? Because I want my life to count. I think that's what further's all about. And so this is the title of my message today. There must be more. God is inviting you to come further. If you've got your Bibles and you'd like to turn to John 17... 
That'd be great. I'm going to read first from the NIV. This is where Jesus is praying for his disciples. He's praying for you and me. John 17, starting at verse 20. It'll be behind me on on the screen for you. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I'm in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you've sent me. We've spoken on this before about unity, and we're really doing much, much better at being united and loving each other more fully. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. I want to just look at that last bit again. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. If we look at that in the Passion Translation, it says this, and the world will be convinced that you've sent me, for they will see that you love each one of them with the same passionate love that you have for me. See, I've read this verse many times, this this passage many times, and normally I see the unity stuff, and because I'm used to seeing unity, that's what I see. How many of us read our Bibles like that? But this time something else jumped out, and it was how loved I am, and how loved you are. If you don't know Jesus, there is more. There is more than you're currently experiencing, and God is inviting you to come further. Jesus' prayer was that we would see that we are loved with the same passionate love that the Father had for the Son. Not a mediocre version of that love. None of us would question how much the Father loved the Son, how much our our Dad in Heaven loved Jesus. But sometimes we question how much he loves us. And today you may question that. You may just feel, I don't know. Them, maybe not me. I don't know if he really could love me that much. This is what Jesus' prayer was for us, that we would understand that. Because it's true. Know that you are loved. You're loved passionately. When Jesus walked the earth a couple of thousand years ago, he called the most unlikely people to be his disciples, his followers. He didn't call the perfect. He called the flawed. He called the normal. He called them to come and follow me. And they did. And it was staggering to read about it, actually. They just dropped everything and followed him. It was incredible. He said, come follow me. They dropped what they were doing and their lives were transformed. And he continues to call people today. And for some of you here, he's calling, he's knocking at the door of your heart this morning and saying, will you come further with me? Do you want to come on an adventure? Will you come and follow me? And in this room today, he's calling the flawed people. He's calling the normal people, not just those who were prefect material at school, which is handy because I didn't make the short list of prefects. (laughs) There was no way I was being a prefect. Trust me. It's funny that I went on to be ahead of year. (laughs) Um, But I never told the kids I couldn't make prefect. (laughs) But he's calling us all. And he loves you with the same love that he has for his son Jesus. The same love, passionately. He's not interested in how good you think you are, how well you've done, how good you look, how you match up. And there's a story in, um, about David in the Old Testament, about David when he was first going to be chosen. 
to be the king. He was going to be anointed to be king. So he'd be anointed at this stage, and many years later, he would become the king of the nation. And if you don't know the story, it's very much like Cinderella. It really, it really is like Cinderella. Um, what happens is this man of God goes to Jesse's house, and Jesse lines up his sons. It's like the ugly sisters are there with their feet, ready to get their feet into the shoe. Lines up his sons. First of all, the eldest, this handsome, amazing, tall, good-looking lad, bound to be the king, the next king. And uh, they look at him. No, that's not the one God's chosen. How about this one, second in line? No, that is not the one. Down the list. No, 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 no. All the way, Cinderella. Is there anyone left? Well, there's Cinderella. She's down in the, she's the scullery maid. You seriously want me to bring her up? In the Bible version, there's David. He's in the fields. He's a shepherd. He's, the, he's my youngest. He's out there. I can bring him. And the men of, God, men of God say, we're not even going to sit down until he's come in. We're just going to wait. So they wait for David to come in. David comes in, and he's this ruddy-faced, I love that word. He's this ruddy-faced guy, good-looking lad, out looking after the sheep, And the man of God looks at him and said, this is the Lord's anointed. And they anoint him to be the king. And he he says, look, man is interested in looking at the outside appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord looks at the heart. You may not, in outward appearance, be prefect material. You may not, in outward appearance, appear good enough or think you're worthy of that incredible love of God. Even if you know him, you still might struggle with this stuff. But he's not interested in the lineup of who looks good in the world's eyes and who looks like the right fit. He knows your heart. He loves you. He stands at the door of your heart and knocks. And he says, come on an adventure with me. Are you up for it? Some of you may have come to church for the first time today. Maybe you came reluctantly. Maybe you came begrudgingly. Maybe you're ready. You came expecting to be bored out of your mind. And hopefully get through it. That's okay. I understand that. You know what? I've fallen asleep in church. It's okay. I wasn't at the age of snoring. Some of you may know this. It's quite funny. We had pews in my church growing up and a wooden floor. And uh, one time the sermon started and I put my arms like this. Put my head, arms on the pew in front, put my head down. And I was awoken to my horror to see a pool of drool on the floor. (laughs) And a stringy one. No one gave me a tap. It wasn't the day of mobile phones. Um, it wasn't the day of computers. <laughs> but, um, so no one was taking pictures of this thing and uploading it. But seriously, I have fallen asleep in church. I know that sometimes it can be like that. There was actually a time in the Bible when Paul, who wrote a lot of the New Testament, he was preaching, and someone fell asleep in his house in, during his message too. And as you know, if you know the story, it's brilliant. The dilemma is... He didn't have his head on the pew dribbling onto the floor. This guy was sitting in the window and he fell asleep and fell out and died. Um, That's a great Bible story. The good thing is Paul was able to run downstairs, quickly revive him (laughs) with a prayer, bring him back to life and back into the meeting. So, you know, if you're a bit sleepy, it's fine, but don't go and stand at the top of the stairs and do it. Stay where you are. Stay comfy. Anyway, you may have come to church thinking that you were going to be bored, thinking, you know, who knows what you were thinking But God wants to renew your purpose today. He wants to give you a sense of belonging in a wider family who love and accept you. He wants to adopt you into his family. He wants to forgive you and set you free of all of those things. 
Those things you don't even talk about, the things you don't mention. He wants to set you free from those things. He wants you to experience his complete forgiveness. He wants you to know life in all its fullness, the life you were designed to live. He wants to give you a hope and a future. He's saying, will you come further with me today? Do you want to come on that adventure? He's calling. And what he has to offer is better than any treasure you could find under a floorboard in a new house. It's better than what you could find in the magic cupboard thing, and it's better than what you could find in your loft. The treasure that our God has is truly wonderful. It's transformational stuff. And then when he says to you, come follow me, and you say, yes, I'm going to follow you, you follow him in order to be sent. And for the rest of us who've already said yes, we're now switching over to you. I know some of this has already spoken to you who know Jesus. But he's sending you to others. Let's go again to the Bible. John chapter 20, 19 to 21. Just a bit further on. Reading from the Passion this time. John 20, 19 to 21. That evening, the disciples gathered together. And because they were afraid of reprisals from the Jewish leaders, they had locked the doors to the place where they met. But suddenly Jesus appeared among them and said, Peace to you. And he showed them the wounds of his hands and his side. He was risen. They were overjoyed to see the Lord with their own eyes. Jesus repeated his greeting, Peace to you. And he told them, Just as the Father has sent me, I'm now sending you. We know that Jesus was sent for a mission. And just as the Father has sent me, or your version may say, as the Father has sent me, now I'm now sending you. And one of the, the key words here is this one here. Really missable word. The word as there. You can miss it. But it's, it's crucial because in the original language, it means to the degree that or in the same proportion. So to the degree that the Father sent the Son to us, in that proportion, in that measure, we are being sent. We are being sent in that measure. It's not the Father sent me to give everything, so I'm sending you to give a little. See? It's not that. It's not the Father sent me to serve people, so I'm sending you to serve yourself. The Father sent me to give everything, and I'm sending you to give everything for the benefit of others. The Father sent me to serve people. I'm sending you out to serve a needy world. We're being sent out to be salt and light. We are being sent out to show the love of Jesus, to not hold back. What a challenge it is to us. Jesus was sent to us, for us, and in the same way, we are sent to the world. But don't worry, it's not supposed to be in your own strength. The very next verse. Then, taking a deep breath, he blew on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. There must be more for us who know him. And God is inviting us to come further. He wants to empower us with his Holy Spirit and send us out to a hurting world. We'll pause there for a moment while I put this picture up. Who's that? Johnny Depp. Well done. Now, can you name some characters that you think of when you see him? 
Jack Sparrow, good. Edward Scissorhands, brilliant. Still sad face. Who? The Mad Hatter. Willy Wonka. Who said Willy Wonka? Look at this. Now, I have to say, he can be all of those characters, but this man on the left is not Willy Wonka. That is an imposter. The man on the right is Willy Wonka. <laughs> yes! Slugworth wants a gobstopper. He can have one. Come on, cheer up, Charlie. This is the stuff we need. Again, I said you might not understand every reference. I kind of, kind of watch films in a very small bracket, but those films I watched a million times. This is one of them. Absolutely amazing. Um, Willy Wonka. <laughs> that one. This is on Netflix. There are other video streaming things available. Um, and we don't just endorse any one of those things. So, <laughs> so anyway, the guy on the right is Willy Wonka. And... Um, they're in the film, I mean, if you don't know the film, come on. But in the film, uh, towards the end, there is the scene with the great glass elevator slash Wonkavator. And um, we're going to watch a bit of that because that would be fun, wouldn't it? It's been quite serious until now, so come on. Let's enjoy this. We'll take the Wonkavator. Step in, Charlie. Grandpa Jones, sir. The acting is amazing, by the way. This is the great glass wonkavator. It's an elevator. It's a wonkavator. An elevator can only go up and down, but the wonkavator can go sideways and slantways and long ways and back ways and, and square ways? ways and front ways and any other ways that you can think of. It can take you to any room in the whole factory just by pressing one of these buttons. Any of these buttons. Just press a button and sing. You're off. And up until now, I've pressed them all. Except one. This one. Go ahead, Charlie. Me? There it goes. Hold on tight. I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen. Faster, faster. If we don't pick up enough speed, we'll never get through. Get what? Uh-huh. You mean we're going up and out? But this roof is made of glass. It'll shatter into a thousand pieces. But we'll be cut to ribbons. Probably. That's good. There's no reason for showing that. I just enjoy it. No, there is a reason for showing it. <laughs> God has been speaking to us as a leadership team since the start of the year about up and out. You mean we're going up and out, are the words that were said. We've pressed all the buttons until now except that one. Faster, faster. If we don't pick up enough speed, we're never going to get through. We're going up and out. Our outness depends on our upness. And that's not great English. <laughs> our outness depends on our upness. Our lives are going to have a greater degree of impact the closer we are to Jesus. If we draw near to him, if we do what we've done over the last few months, if we go closer to him, if we go deeper, if, that, if there's proximity to Jesus, then our effectiveness to be sent works. We become effective. 
If you think about dispersal of, of certain weaponry, unfortunately, it makes a good, a good example. If certain weapons explode on the floor, they have a minimal impact. But if they explode high up, they have a, great, a much greater dispersion. And I believe that what God wants us to do as the people of God is to know what it is to draw close to him to get closer and closer than ever before. And from that position of closeness and intimacy, then we, have, we are sent. We're not sent in our own strength. We're sent in his strength. We're supposed to go up and out, not just out and out, up and out, get closer and then go out. We're being invited to go closer, to go deeper so that we can be sent further. And for some of us, we need to smash a glass ceiling that is above us. Maybe things that have been said over us that just stop us. They limit us every single time we try to do something for Jesus. Maybe things we've said about ourselves. Maybe things to do with our background, to do with our gender, our race, our culture, our socioeconomic status. He is calling us to more. If your heart is saying there must be more than this, he's saying come close to me and I'll send you out. I'll send you out to be the answer to the world. It's going to take faith. If you want to smash through the glass ceilings above you, you could be like Grandpa Joe. But this thing's made of glass. It could shatter into a million pieces. I love the answer, probably. <laughs> it takes faith. It's not supposed to be comfortable. It's not supposed to be easy to break through things and punch through things that have held you down. But as a church, we can't afford to hold back. We can't afford to run at half pace. We can't be the ones who apply the brakes I was once trying to push a minibus with a group of people and the person on the inside had forgotten to take off the handbrake. Seriously. It's a very simple thing. But if there's a group of us going in one direction, don't be the person who puts the handbrake on. We're all going to push as hard as we can and do what we can, but if you're the one applying the brakes, it's hard work for everybody else and we don't get where we're supposed to be. We want to run the race that God has set before us. And what we need, I think, is the mentality of a certain guy in the Old Testament. And I'm going to wrap up after this. There's um, a guy called Jonathan, <clears throat> who is Saul, Saul's son, Jonathan. Saul will be uh, replaced by King David later, who we spoke about in the lineup. So Saul is the king. Jonathan's his son. And uh, Jonathan has an armor bearer. This person's job is to carry the armor, but also to finish off the people that the person in front whose armor you're bearing, um, you finish the job off for them. So as they're running through, as Jonathan runs through and hits people with his sword, the armor bearer's job is to finish that person off. A bit gruesome, but they go through and they finish off the people. They, they run alongside each other and they work together as a team. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, come, let's go out to the outpost of those uncircumcised men, people from, from the Philistine camp. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. So it's just the two of us. Let's just run into their camp. Let's cause some havoc. What does the armor bearer say? Do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead. I'm with you, heart and soul. Do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go, go ahead. I'm with you, heart and soul. This was a beautiful relationship of single-mindedness, of trust. We're in this together mentality. You know, when Jesus sent the disciples out, he sent them out in pairs. They encouraged each other. 
gave each other confidence. They came back. They fed back to Jesus. It was, it was a, a mutual sort of learning experience. We need hearts that are knitted together. I'm not talking about you saying to me and Nikki as the leaders, whatever you say we'll do. It's not that. It's not us saying jump and, and you have to say how high. Not at all. Do this together. This isn't about you serving us. It's about you serving Jesus. And so what we'd love you to do is to have a mentality that says to the Lord and not to us. Go ahead, Lord. I'm with you heart and soul. Whatever you have for me, whatever you want me to do, go ahead. I'm with you. It's funny that this guy's an armor bearer who says that. And I do just want to say this because it's funny, I think. There is another person a bit similar to an armor bearer who's a shield bearer. And there's one in the Bible who's like the worst, worst ever day at work this guy has. And you never hear of him again. And he is Goliath's shield bearer. I love that. So three, three chapters later, Goliath comes out to face David. He's, his shield bearer is there in front of him. <laughs> he's got a lot of, lot of Goliath to cover. So do I cover the knees? Do I cover the head? You know, he's a big boy. I'm just going to cover down here. And then a stone hits, hits Goliath in the head. He's like... <laughs> I can't even whistle, I'm laughing. But you know, He whistles, he exits stage left, he's gone. No one ever finds out what happens to the armor bearer, to, to Goliath's armor bearer, while Goliath's having his head chopped off. But anyway, that, that's one armor bearer. This armor bearer has, <laughs> you know, who knows what's going on. This armor bearer says, go ahead. I'm with you, heart and soul. Let's get back to it. We need our hearts knitted together, but much more importantly, we need our hearts knitted to God. Whether you are new to this church, let me finish here, or whether you've been part of it for decades, God is calling us on into new adventures this morning, and he's inviting us all to come further. If you don't know him, will you respond today to the call, come follow me? Come follow me. Will you respond to that today? Not because you're good enough. Not because you measure up, but because he loves you. If you'd like to, I'd love to give you a chance to respond to Jesus today and give your heart to him and say, I'm up for it. I don't know what it really means, even. And I know I've never felt worthy, but I'm up for it. If you want to do that, come and see me at the end. Please don't go without seeing me. Let me pray for you. Let me talk with you. Let me chat with you. Explain a bit more. If you don't want to speak with me, chat with the person who you came with, but don't let it go. This, this is your life we're talking about, your life being completely transformed. If you do know him, then I want to remind you today that he's sending you out, and he's sending you out to the degree that the Father sent Jesus, in the same proportion, to love, to serve, to lay down your life for others. He wants you to go further than you're currently going from a place of up and out, from proximity, from closeness, from depth of relationship. That's where our further comes from. Dispersed to bring love, to be salt, light, to bring hope from a place of intimacy and connection. And may our response as he sends us be, go ahead, Lord, I'm with you heart and soul.